to start out with a, uh, a story, and um, it's a story from World War II. Some of you might have heard it before, but um, way back in World War II, there's this thing called the Atlantic Wall. Anybody ever heard of the Atlantic Wall? Raise your hands real high. <laughs> All right, two people. That's great. Three. All right. What the Atlantic Wall was, was Hitler had taken Europe, mainland Europe, and he was trying to defend it from the Allied forces, right? He wanted to keep them in England and America, so he's trying to defend his coast. And so he puts in over 1,500 miles of defenses. So from the top of Norway to down to the border of Spain, he put in... Um, just millions of millions of uh, cubic feet of concrete and they built bunkers and they had just almost uncountable amount of guns big giant guns that would uh, protect the ocean like if ships are coming in they would protect and shoot the ships um, barbed wire landmines they, they spent it was it was the next to biggest manned uh, defense next to the Chinese wall, the, the Great Wall of China. So it's huge, 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 huge. So they, the Allied forces, when they're planning to go into mainland Europe and they're going to take it, they knew they have to cross that, right? It's your first major hurdle to get there. And so they send out spies, and the spies had, they had a mission. You know what the mission was? They said, go find out where the men are that believe in their cause, right? They probably didn't put it in quite those words, but those, that was the mission. Go find out the men who have faith in their commander, the men who carry the heart of their leader, and the guys who are just doing it because they got paid, because they had literally uh, hundreds and hundreds of thousands, maybe close to a million men, uh, defending that long line. So they had to actually hire, and some of them were conscripted slaves that they pulled in. They put guns in their hand, and they, uh, they said, defend this beach, or we'll shoot you. So the spy's purpose was go find where they believe in their cause and go find where they're just defending it because that's what they're supposed to do. So they did. Some beaches they found were super heavily defended. There's part of the English Channel where... The coast of mainland Europe is only 20 miles from uh, England's borders, right? There, they had heavily defended. They had men who were hard and battle-seasoned. They believed in their cause. And then they had beaches that were uh, real far away, real far away. And um, they didn't go, actually, where it was a real easy crossing. That's not where the Allies chose. They chose to go way in the south and try to hit some beaches that weren't defended by these seasoned warriors because their hope is we're going to bomb them for a couple hours. And uh, that should soften them up. If we can go to somewhere where they're not, uh, they're not hardcore Nazis, you know, that's not their ideology, that's not their belief, hopefully they'll give up when we come ashore. Some beaches, they didn't, uh, you know, they... They had to fight every inch. But you know, here's, a, here's an interesting fact. I don't know if you knew this. Some of the beaches they came to, I read, 
that um, when the infantry came ashore, they met um, soldiers coming over the sand dunes with suitcases packed, carrying a flag of surrender. <laughs> I don't know if you read that part, but that was only a few of the beaches. Those men thought, you know what? I'm not in this thing to die. I'm not in this to die. If I can make this thing, through this thing alive, good for me. You know, I'm not going to die today. The other places where they believed in their cause, they had faith in their commander, they fought to the death, and it was a bloody, bloody battle. So, anyway, I want to jump from that story to a story in Joshua. And then uh, spring from a verse there. How many of uh, you, uh, most of you know Joshua. Joshua who led the children of Israel into Canaan. So at the end of Joshua, in Joshua 24, Joshua is about to die. They have spent a long time going through Canaan. They're kicking out enemies. They're taking the land as their own. And Joshua carries a burden, like he's burdened for his people because he sees what's going on in the people around him. So he gathers the leaders together and he has this message for them. He says, listen, here's all the things that God has done for you. Listen, like he lists an entire chapter of the faithfulness of God. Pastor Phil was telling us a little bit, a story of a faithfulness of God that we just saw this past week, right? So he's listing God has been faithful here, 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 here. He just goes down the row. If you ever read Old Testament stories, you'll notice they do a lot of that. They, uh, it's like oral history, right? They stand and, and tell the stories so people have it inside of them. He's doing that. He's saying, God led you out of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea. He kept you in the wilderness. He crossed the Jordan. He's taken your battles. But here, it could all fall apart if you decide to follow the gods of the people around you, if you allow their influences to come inside of you, he said, we could lose this entire thing and we could end up in bondage. So here's what you do. Choose you this day who you will serve. How many of you heard that verse before? Raise your hands high. Yeah, see, I love participation. <laughs> Choose you this day who you will serve whether it's the gods or whether it'll be the God of gods. And he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So he's making a firm decision. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. Here's what I'm going to do. So I want that verse, choose you this day who you'll serve, to ring in your mind the entire time I'm speaking. I want it to ring in your mind all week. Here's, here's the reason. We use, we use that verse, um, or you hear it in the context of uh, people that are outside. They don't believe in God yet, right? And, and, and we hear it saying, choose who you'll serve. Whether, you know, will you follow Jesus? And I believe that's right and that's accurate. Here's how I want to use it today. How many of you face decisions every single day? Right? Life is full of decisions every single day, full of decisions. Will you follow Jesus or will you follow your flesh? 
Will you follow Jesus or will you just choose selfishness, choose walking after yourself? What role does Jesus have in your life? I, I think that's a question you should answer right now. What, what role does Jesus have in your life? Is he Lord? It's not a word that we use very often, right? Lord has to do with surrender. Lord has to do with ruling. Is he, is he Lord? I think, I think that a lot of Christians know Jesus as their Savior. They've experienced him as, you know, there was a time that I gave my heart to Jesus and I said, take all my sins and wash them away. And, and uh, I got my fire insurance. I'm on my way to heaven. But they haven't, they haven't found Jesus to be Lord. They haven't surrendered to that level yet. You know what? You know what's the evidence of that? There's no transformed life. No transformed life. Their life isn't going from glory to glory. Sure, there's times of wilderness experiences. But if you have no power over sin, no victory in your life, you are your, you are your Lord. Even though you're a Christian, you're following yourself. You're following your flesh. You're living after the flesh. You haven't surrendered to the point where I'm going to receive directives from him. He has the final say in my life. What he says goes. That's surrender. So, are you a fight to the finish? Is that you? <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <clears throat> or do you call it quits when it gets hard and difficult? So, choose you this day who you'll serve. Let's go to Colossians 3. If you put Colossians 3 up on the board, I'm going to be reading from the NIV, actually. So, I don't know if it'll be the same thing. You could follow along with me. Um, 1 to 17. It's it's. Quite a bit of reading. And um, could you guys bring the chairs up? Would that work? Yeah. These two chairs. We're going to read Colossians 3, 1 to 17. That's just to keep your attention while I read 17 verses. Hey, follow along if you got it. All right. This is Paul writing. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. 
Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms with gratitude in your heart to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. All right. Now, 17 verses, they say a lot. But we're going to try to put it in a simple mind picture for you so that you can... Uh, you, you can get you can get what it's what it's saying a little bit. So these two chairs, um, we're gonna pretend that they describe the attributes that he wrote about. The one chair is uh, is is filled with the things that Paul says you're supposed to put to death. You're supposed to kill it, put to death all kinds of sexual immorality, greed, anger, all those all the list of sins that I gave. We're gonna pretend that that chair represents that. We're going to pretend this chair represents what he said, clothe yourself with. Put these things on. You got to wear this, all right? So this chair here, um, I'll just quickly go through it, and then we'll go back through the list of, uh, a list of things and look at it a little bit closer. This chair here represents what he says, here's what you're supposed to clothe yourself with. Put on kindness, put on compassion, humility, love, all these things. There's a result that goes with sitting in this chair. You know what the result is? Peace. Because he says, let the peace of God rule in your heart right after the list of everything else. This, sitting in this chair, living this life, See, you can't force these attributes to happen. If they're not happening in your life, you can't just, like, all of a sudden muster up love if you're a hateful person, right? I've tried. I've tried to just force myself to not be angry anymore. And it didn't work. You know what works? If you surrender, right? 
So you can't force these attributes to happen. The way you live these attributes is if you surrender your life to Jesus. And then he says, what, what happens in, uh, I think it's verse 10, then you begin to take on the image of your creator. So the res- these attributes come from surrendering to Jesus. Then you experience peace. The world wants to experience peace. Everybody wants to experience peace. Everybody's looking for peace. All right. Over here is what he's saying, sexual immorality. Um, I got the list here somewhere. Impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, uh, anger, rage, malice, all these things. And he connects. He says the wrath of God is coming because of this. I try not to, you know, talk about those verses too much because they kind of conflict with the image I have, I have in my head of such a loving God. How could, you know, wrath be a part of that? I think it's wrong to just pass over something or not, you know, not look at it because we don't like it. It's in there. He's saying the wrath of God is coming because of these sins. Here's, here's what I want to tell you. Here's my entire sermon in a couple of sentences. You can't live this life right here. You can't, you can't live in this chair and think you're going to experience what comes with this chair. That make sense? You can say that you want to experience, you know, you want to experience passion in your life. You want to experience the peace of God. You want to be, um, you want to be on fire. You want, you want these things to happen in your life. You can't, you can't say, I want Jesus, I want the passion and the purity and all those things. And be, when your life choices, the choices that you make every day, choose you who, who you will serve. When the choices that you're living say, I prefer the fleeting pleasure of porn. That's the word sexual immorality that he used, porno. Am I making sense? This is straight talk. Not the cell phone carrier either. (laughs) Stay on topic. Am I making sense? You can't sit in the middle. You'll fall. Choose you this day who you'll serve. The one will bring you peace, happiness, satisfaction, true satisfaction. The other one There's no fulfillment, no true fulfillment. And he's saying the wrath of God is coming because of these things, people that live in this. All right, I think I made my point clear. Let's go, um, let's look at, let's actually look at what he says here. If you go to verse, um, where are we going to start? Verse 11. Go to verse 11. And uh, they come from a very segregated culture, right? They had so many different nationalities and hierarchies. And, and there was slaves and masters and, like, legitimate slaves. And so they had all these different ranks in their culture. So here he says, it, it, it really doesn't make a difference who you are, okay? With Christ, there's no... 
what's he saying here? With Christ, your nationality doesn't make a difference, right? Your economic status makes no difference. Your gender makes no difference. They had a big uh, gender difference between male and female. Gender makes no difference. Nationality. We're all in Christ, and you're all equally valuable to him. And he goes on, therefore, as God's chosen people, if, if you are a Christian, he's talking to you, okay? If you name the name of Christ, he says, this is for you. Clothe yourself, put these things on, compassion. You know what compassion is? Compassion belongs in this chair. Compassion is being moved by the plight of, of another human being, right? If you see them in distress, something going on, it means having an emotion that actually cares about them. If, if you see somebody that's down and out, it should do something to you. You should feel something. I think it's, it's part of that God nature that's inside. If there's nothing there, if you can see somebody that's in need and it doesn't pull on your heartstrings, then you like should check it out. Probably something's not working. Kindness, kindness goes right along with it. Kindness is doing something about what you felt. Okay? Kindness is actually taking action and not just feeling sorry or feeling bad for somebody, but doing something, taking some action. Humility, humility is just the opposite of pride and arrogance. That's all I'll say about it. Gentleness, meekness, is, is this, uh, different translations use the same word. Um, how I see this is just because you have a strong personality doesn't mean you have to run the show. Meekness is strength, uh, you know, under control. So if, if, if you have a strong personality, allow that strength to push people forward while you take a back seat right? This works really good in a marriage if you do it right, and if you don't do it right, it doesn't work well. Amy and I, we have different personalities. My personality is a little louder, a little stronger, you could say, and if you just, if you just, you know, because I'm the loudest, you just run the show, that doesn't work in a marriage. Well, it doesn't work with your, like, brothers and sisters either, right? So you allow your strength to push other people and their opinions to the front. That's the, uh, a definition of gentleness and meekness. Patience, long-suffering. That's another attribute. You know, just picture this chair getting covered with all kinds of amazing things. Patience, long-suffering. Don't cut somebody off just because they um, bailed on you. Don't, don't give up on somebody because they, you know, missed an appointment. Because they didn't show up once. Aren't you glad that uh, Jesus doesn't treat you that way? I'm going to see if you're still with me. So, um, aren't you glad that Jesus forgives you more than once? Raise your hand. 
All right, there we go. You're still with me. Forgiving each other. And then he says, your example of forgiveness should be the same way that God forgave you. It kind of goes with the last one. Forgive each other the same way. If Jesus freely extended forgiveness to you, well, how about that person that you're having an issue with right now? How about you extending the same way? He says, that'll take care of something. Over all these virtues, put on love. Love is supreme. Love is the ultimate mark of spiritual maturity. Did you know that? So he says, over all of these things that you're clothing yourself with, I'm going to sit in the chair again. Over all of the things that you're putting on yourself, he said, love is the most important of it all. Let it, let it just pour over you. Let it cover you. Let it cover all the bald spots. And take care of that. Love is the most important of it all. <clears throat> all right. I'm going to explain this chair just a little bit. So this is what Paul in the Bible calls our earthly nature. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time with this because the way he starts out in chapter 3, he says, you know what you got to do? You got to put to death this, but put your eyes on things above. He says, set your heart on things above. The very next phrase, he says, set your mind on things above. So focusing on these, focusing on the nature of Jesus, focusing on Jesus. So there's no use like trying to overcome things if you're spending all the time looking at what you're struggling with. What you want to do is you want to focus on Jesus. You want to look at him. But we're going to go through the list. You know, Jesus... Um, because Paul here, he says, put these things to death. He says, your true nature is that you have died with Christ and you have risen with him. So he says, you are in Christ. That's where you actually are. But sometimes we allow things to hang on over on this side. He says, put it to death. Kill it. Jesus actually says in Matthew, he says, go to extreme measures to kill sin. <laughs> you ever read that in the Sermon on the Mount? This is how much Jesus believed that you should, that you should uh, slay sin. He said, if your hand offends you, cut it off. That's kind of radical. If your eye offends you, gouge it out. That's really radical. Obviously, Jesus believed that you should choose you this day, right? You should make choices that are for him. So, Constantly losing my place. Here, here, here's what he says is in this chair. Sexual immorality, and I already said the Greek word for that is perneo. It's where pornography comes from. Impurity, lust, evil desires, greed. Then he says greed is idolatry. Did you know that? Because it's putting something else in the place of God. And greed is no respecter of persons. Greed is no respecter of persons. Greed can have such a firm grip on somebody that's penniless as it has on somebody that has $10 million. Did you know that? 
So, so don't think that rich people are, are, you know, just greedy. It's not true. I remember there was, there was a, a man locally who was basically homeless. He needed, he need, well, he wasn't homeless. He needed, he needed some things. So he asked, you know, can I have 20 bucks? And so I brought 20 bucks over to him. And I had it in my hand, and I realized it was showing when his eyes no longer was looking at me. We were having a conversation. And um, he was looking at the twenty dollars that was sticking out of you know out of my fingers, and I moved it around, and his eyes followed it. And so I was like, "This is actually kind of fun." So I went like this, and his eyes went up, and I moved it across. You know, it was it was in a conversation, but everywhere that twenty dollars went, his eyes followed, and I I think he was you know dealing with a little bit of greed. He, he, he really needed help. It, it's, it's true. But am I, am I kind of getting my point across? Just because you have lots of money doesn't mean you're greedy. Some people think that's the way it is, and it's not. He goes on to say anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, lying. All these things have to do with how you treat the person beside you. Okay? Jesus is actually really concerned with how you treat the person that's sitting beside you or behind you or in front of you. We don't have to spend a lot of time talking about what sin is. Paul makes an argument. Uh, I guess we don't know that he's the author. In Hebrews, it says that everyone has an awareness of God. Because of nature, everyone has an awareness of God. So, you... You literally have an awareness of what is right and wrong from birth. There is some kind of awareness. I was just talking uh, to someone this week, came from a completely un... um, uh, Yeah, no Christian influence, never go to church, none of those things. And they said, the funny thing is, every time I would say a lie do something that I knew was wrong, I would, I would, you know, sneak away, and I'd look up, and I'd say, God, I'm sorry. Never been to church. Never heard the Bible. <laughs> Somehow there was an awareness of God. I thought that was fascinating. So, Just a little story from my life. I used to be, I know nobody in here struggles with anger at all. It's not an issue for anyone. I used to be a very angry young man, like rage, like fly off the handle, like punch holes in walls. You know, that's not how I want to be known as. <laughs> But I couldn't, I couldn't fix it. Try as I might, I couldn't, I couldn't stop. You know, I'd try to shut the anger down. I'm just mad. Somebody do something against me, I'm just mad. I couldn't stop it. But then I had an encounter with God that really came out of a deep surrender 
deep, deep surrender. And it was, it was at the time that I experienced what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That is the birthright and the inheritance for every single Christian. Every single Christian, if you haven't experienced it, it's available for you if you will pursue it. It's available that you can be filled with power, that you can be filled with boldness, and in a way that actually touches and changes people's lives around you. It's available. But at this same time, I, um, I had this encounter with God where I surrendered deeper, just to a deeper level than I've ever experienced before. It wasn't like I tried to, I had a desire to change, right? But after that experience, anger didn't grip me anymore. It, 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 it didn't have a hold. It fell off. Do you know what I'm saying? It fell off. It was a result of surrendering and making Jesus Lord. And I, I, I wasn't in charge of my life anymore. I said, Jesus, I surrender my life completely. You run the show. Anger fell off. That thing I was trying, trying to change, it didn't hold me the way it did before. You know, I, I have, it's not like my personality changed. I have a propensity to be angry at times. I'm a very loving person, guys. Don't get me wrong. If, if, I, if I'm not walking close to the Lord, it shows up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It shows up, and I'm like, hey, why am I getting so triggered, I guess? Is that the word we use now? Why am I getting so upset? And if I go back and look, I'll, I'll see, hey, I'm not walking with the Lord the way I need to be. I'm not making him Lord. If you read the book of Colossians, in one word, you could, you could put it in one word, and it's lordship. Who's ruling? Talks a lot about the supremacy of Christ. Here is a quote that you might have read this week. Dr. Caroline Leaf, you are afraid of surrender because you don't want to lose control, but you never had control. All you had was anxiety. <laughs> I read that, and it hit me between the eyeballs. I'm going to read it again. Dr. Caroline Leaf, y'all know her. Read her books. You are afraid of surrender because you don't want to lose control, but you never had control. All you had was anxiety. So if you go to uh, verse 15, it says, says this, Let the peace of God... Rule in your hearts and be thankful. You know what the word rule means? The word rule means umpire. That's where we get the word umpire. It's, it's a little bit different than that in the Greek. But it is literally the word umpire. So if you put that in, you say, let the peace of God call the shots. That makes sense? So when you're facing decisions, when, when things are coming against you, um, 
you, you want to make sure that you're, you know, not going doing crazy things, but often I'll, I'll find where my peace, where my peace lies, you know, what, what decision, what decision it, it comes with that feeling of peace inside, not because I'm just backing down and getting out of it, but let peace call the shots. Just in the last, just in the last two weeks, I was going through something. Um, it's a situation that I was kind of trying to force to happen. I wanted my way, <clears throat> wanted to make it happen. I just, I'm going to do whatever it takes. And I, uh, I'm not sleeping good. Anybody know what that is? I'm not resting well. I'm staying awake. And um, like I had to, I had to notice what's happening. I'm, I'm trying to run the show, and I, I literally had a moment where I said, Jesus, all right, I give it up. I surrender. You know best. You lead me in this here decision. And there is a peace that came flooding into my heart that wasn't there, and the peace of God came in. The peace of God's a lot different than the peace of the world. Peace of the world is circumstantial. If everything's good, we're peaceful. If it's not, we're not. The peace of God is more powerful than that. All right, you guys still okay? I'm ending here in just a minute or two. The next verse, he says, Let the word of God dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, as you sing. So if there's ever a verse in the Bible that talks about care groups, why you should be in care groups, there it is. Okay? That's it. He's telling you, here's what you should do with each other. Sing, let the word of God be in you. That's all I'll say about it. Um, the next one, whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know what I see this, um, this verse saying? Whether you're at work, whether you're at home, whether you're at church, whether you're out to dinner with a bunch of guys, like do everything the same. Be the same kind of person. Do everything in the name of Jesus. Everything as if he's there. Everything as if you know he's watching. Um, the other thing that I, I, I believe that it's saying, it's saying don't put one way of living or uh, we could say the spiritual life ahead of any of uh, the other areas of life. So... I want you to don't neglect coming to church, right? The Bible says don't neglect gathering together. So it's scriptural. Don't neglect that. But when I change the pamper on my child, <laughs> which I don't like to do, but it's a part of life, it's every bit as godly. It's every bit as holy. When you feed your kids breakfast, it's every bit as holy as what you do here when you're up front singing and worshiping or in church, right? There's no difference between the two. Treat them the same because they are. Why don't you stand up? I want to read Revelations 3.21. This is a scripture that he says this is a promise to overcomers, right? If you see yourself 
sitting in this chair and places in life, and you want to be over here, you want to be victorious, um, here's a promise he gives. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. So Jesus doesn't ask you to do anything he wasn't able to walk through his very self. Sound good? Okay, let's pray. Grant, would you just come up and uh, play on the keys a bit? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. And um, after, after I'm finished praying, you are dismissed. If you have an area in your life that you want to surrender, it doesn't mean you're living in sin. If you have an area in your life where you've been trying to run the show and you want to surrender it to Jesus, I want to invite you to come up here after I'm finished praying. People will pray with you. If not, you're free to visit. You're free to uh, be dismissed. Let's pray. Father, we're your children. And above all, Lord, we want to know the peace that goes with surrender. I pray that every single person in this building would experience that kind of peace that the peace of God would rule in our hearts Lord let us know what surrender really means and Jesus we don't want to know you as just our savior we want to know you as Lord so right now this morning I give my life to you. I don't hold anything back. And I choose to allow you to rule and to reign in my heart. If there's anybody in here that you don't know Jesus as your Savior, just ask him right now just say Jesus take away my sin I give you my heart come live inside of me I know I want to know what it means to be hidden in Christ Father I, I pray right now for wellspring for everybody that's connected with us, that we would that we would be a victorious people, that we would be going from glory to glory. That there would be nothing that would stand in our way, nothing that would stop us, nothing that would deter us. Let us be an all-in kind of people passionately pursuing your presence. Jesus, I ask that you watch over every single person as they go their ways. Watch over them this week. Give them safety. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. You can come for prayer if you'd like. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.